0: Today's sermon is the last in our March Madness series, and uh, it's cutting down the net. And this is kind of uh, almost the prototypical kind of wrap-up sermon for a sermon series. Normally, if you do one that, is, that really kind of fits that mold, then it kind of reminds you of the stuff that you've already talked about and, and just reinforces, saying, "I don't forget this. You know? and, you know, and I don't want to just do a, a rehash. I don't want to do a recap. So I'm not saying that's what this is. But you need to do a recap in your heart and in your mind. You need to be remembering you know, the things that you heard in the first three weeks of this sermon series. You need to be thinking about those things as, as we share. And I'll remind you of several of those things today. But you need to be thinking about them and, and hanging on. So, so you do the recap yourself. You do the rehash, okay? I'll, just, I'll remind you of some headlines kind of stuff, and you kind of fill in the blanks of the, of the stuff that God has, has been doing with you, okay? But today we're talking about cutting down the net. And there's a, there's a tradition in basketball, uh, whenever there's a, a tournament, uh, that whoever wins the tournament gets to cut down the net. Uh, this, this started back in in high school, I understand, in uh, Indiana and it eventually got over to the NCAA and you see the guys cutting down the net and excited. And uh, you know, and I've, I've thought a good bit about what this really means. I mean, I, you know, we're expecting to see it, You see the guys that put it on their head, you know, and wear, it around their, wear it around them and all that. I've thought about, you know, what this really means. It's going to happen, uh, I think, Monday week, like a week from tomorrow night when the NCAA has their, the last game of March Madness of the big basketball tournament, the NCAA basketball tournament. It's going to happen. You know, and uh, it used to be that they would just hoist the guys up on their shoulders and somebody go steal some Some uh, scissors from uh, one of the trainers or something But now they they actually have stepladders ready, you know And they've got scissors that have the NCAA logo, you know, and probably somebody else they sold some advertising to I mean, they're ready for it. They're expecting it and we need to also, okay, you need to be expecting this You need to be expecting cutting down the net And there's a, a probably a lot of things a lot of people think about what this really means cutting down the net Here's what I think it means. This is what I've always sensed, and I've never gotten the opportunity to cut down a net. Okay, I never, you know, I'm really not championship caliber in basketball, and I've never played on a team that was championship caliber in basketball. But I can imagine if I if I got that opportunity, if I'd had that opportunity. Here's what I think it is saying: We're cutting down the net. We're taking the net down from the basket because we're done. Nobody else is playing here anymore. We've won. We're the last team standing. Everybody else is gone. We're it. It's over. Nobody else will play here anymore. We outlasted everybody else. 60-something teams are playing in the March Madness. And the last one standing is going to cut down the net. You need to have an expectation on your own little home court where, you know, in your life, where it is that you're fighting the fight, that you're playing the game, you're doing what it is. You need to have the expectation. You need to go ahead and make up your mind, I'm cutting down the net. There's coming an end to this, and when this is all over with, I'm the one that's going to be cutting down the net. You see, because playing is not enough. Just playing the game is not enough. Just going through the motions is not enough. Now listen, I've been to a lot of uh, sports events. I've been to basketball games and and, uh, football games and baseball games. And and, and you know what I normally leave with when I leave a, a game like that? Uh, n- not not a lot of money left in my pocket i don't leave with that hot dogs pretty expensive there you know but i leave with a ticket stub you know and i've saved some of those ticket stubs because you know they've been important games you know they're really exciting games and i'll save the ticket stuff you know it's really cool you know when i run across one of those say oh yeah i remember being there you know or or, or somebody you know ask me and i say yeah i got a ticket stub i could take you home i show you the ticket stub to that game that that ticket stub proves i was there right but the net doesn't just prove you were there. It proves you won. It proves you outlasted. Everybody else, it proves that you, that you were, when everybody else had given up and quit, and when it was over, you were the one that won the victory. Don't be satisfied with a stub. I mean, that's the way I think a lot of people come to church. Like get my ticket stub. I was there today, you know, we don't pass out tickets. Well, we do for, we do for the kids. I mean, some of y'all got some little ticket stubs on your shoulders, right? right? But, man, don't be satisfied with the stub. Get the net. Get the net because playing is not enough. There, there's so much more to the playing. Uh, here's, here's a few uh, phrases that I've also heard from, from basketball. Uh, reach for the sky or don't even try, right? I mean, if, if you're not going to get to the sky, why, why are you even trying? Okay, yeah, there are some backyard games, that kind of stuff that you play. You just pick up games for fun, but I mean, when you're doing this, I mean, hey, reach for all of it or don't reach for any of it. Now, now, spiritually speaking, that's really easy to 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 relate. That isn't it? I mean, we're looking for heaven, right? And I mean, listen, if you, if, if you're not reaching for heaven, then you know they would say reach for the sky or don't even try. I mean, come on, let, let's let's go for all of it. Playing through the game is not enough, or or go big or go home. You know. There's no other options. Go big or go home. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? We're going to talk about what the win is. I I laid out one for you last week. I'll remind you of that one. But we're going to talk about what some other wins are in our lives. And you you need to start thinking, how bad do I want these wins in my life? Playing is is not enough. Going through the motions is not enough. There's a lot of people in church, a lot of Christians going through the motions. For example, like arguing or debating scriptures instead of sharing scriptures. Now, if you read the, the, the writings of Paul, the letters of Paul in the New Testament, and he wrote about half the New Testament. And it's really good. If you've never done this, just start at Romans one day. And, and, and just take your time, you know, going through for several weeks and just going through all those letters that he wrote, all the way through Hebrews. Uh, we assume he wrote Hebrews as well. And that's some, he, he doesn't sign it, so we're not sure. But we assume he wrote Hebrews as well as God, as God moved on him. Uh, but read through those, and, and you'll kind of get a picture of really what the early church was, you know. And, and and you'll see in there a whole lot of times that Paul challenges people who just use Scripture just for debate. Sometimes he talk, he calls them people that want to argue myths, things that are myths, and things that just argue just for, for debate's sake. And in one place, he actually calls them calls it godless chatter. Now, think about it. They're talking about Scripture, and he says it's just godless chatter. Now, how can you talk about Scripture and be godless chatter when you aren't relating it to God and it's not, it's not that power thing that gives you power and brings you life? It's just godless chatter when you're, when you're debating or when you're arguing. And in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, uh, Paul is talking about those things, and he says, such things promote controversial speculation rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. So, so he, here is the purpose of the Word of God. is not for controversial speculation, but through faith, will advance God's kingdom. And not just God's kingdom out there, but God's kingdom right here as well. And, and, and when we come and we just expect to kind of hear some word or whatever, and, and we're not really, that's, that's a big word here. That's a big word about cutting down the net. If you're going to cut down the net, if you're going to be the one at the end of the game, you're going to be, say, I'm, you're going to be the one that's still standing, that you've vanquished all the foes in your life, and, and then when, when, when this game of your life is over, you're the one that's still standing, you're cutting down the net, you've got the championship, then you're gonna have to have this. It's, and it's not just the godless chair, you're gonna have to have the power of the word of God, and you're gonna have to have an expectation that that is going to happen. You gotta expect it, expect that it'll happen. Such as uh, our next slide talks about expectation as well, having church without expectation. Now, I think a lot of us do that. We show up on church, it's like we don't really expect anything to happen. Oh, yeah, there's going to be this and this and this. There's going to be some stuff going on. But we need to have an expectation that something powerful, supernatural is going to take place. I mean, we're not here just to talk or to listen or to talk amongst yourselves or, or, or you know, to sing a little while or, or maybe see our friends and, you know, and catch up on, you know, what we, you know, what we hadn't heard from you lately. That's not why we're here. We need to have an expectation. The highest pursuits of a Sunday morning service are to hear the word of God with an expectation that it is going to dig into the very guts of our spirit and just mess us up enough that we say, wait a minute, something's gotta change. The highest pursuits of our Sunday morning experience are, are to challenge one another, not when somebody comes in and says, I had a rough week, just pat them on back, it's gonna be all right, sweetheart. But to challenge them and say, come on, just, just keep praying. I'm there for you. And, and encourage and challenge somebody to hang in there just a little bit more. The, the, the highest, the highest uh, thing we can expect on a Sunday morning is to actually come and to experience God. Not to just talk about him that, he, that he's here or he does things, but to actually experience God. And we need to get that expectation then when we come together, and, and, and that, that verse that we read just a couple of moments ago talked about advancing the kingdom. I mean, if we come every, if you come every Sunday and you hear the word, and you, you stand in the presence of God as people are singing and, and God is here and you're singing, and nothing is changing about your life, then the kingdom isn't advancing. I mean, what, he, what Paul just said is, that This thing is about faith to advance the kingdom and not just advance it like taking more territory out there But also taking more territory in your heart every time you come to church You should have an expectation that somewhere somehow inside of you the kingdom is being advanced Something is changing and listen I, I, You know a lot of a lot of pastors like to hear people say man great sermon pastor high-five and all that I mean, you know what I like to hear I like it when and, you know, and I don't uh, like it in the first service. I think I said this a little bit of the wrong way. or They misunderstood it at first. But I like it when God tells me, you got to step on her toes a little bit in this sermon. And I step on your toes, and after service, you tell me, Pastor, that really challenged me. I'd rather hear you say this challenged me more than I'd ever like to hear you say, great sermon, Pastor. I want You know, because if you think about like a basketball player, a basketball player does not get better because the coach says, it'll be all right, sweetheart. A basketball player gets better because the coach challenges him and says, You got a better player in you than you played today. There's something inside of you that you're not letting out yet. Are you hearing me? I'm telling you that today. There is something inside of you that you have not let out yet. You may think that you've made a, made a lot of strides in getting closer to God and having the kingdom really back, But there is still something inside of you that has not yet come. I'm here to challenge you. And, and I want you to have the expectation to show up every Sunday and believe when I walk out the door, there is something that will, that will be different from the moment that I walked in till I'm walking out right now. And have the expectation to not just have church. To not just go through the motion, and not just play the game, but have the expectation that something's going to change. And then the next one, is it about singing? Is that my third one? Uh, yes, yeah, singing without worshiping. That happens. Oh, man, that's happening everywhere. It, 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 it's already happened here today. There are some that have sung without worshiping because sometimes we get caught up in a lot of other things. Maybe we've got other things on our mind. I've been there. I've done that. I've sometimes gotten caught up in, in stuff I need to do, even though it's God's stuff, I need to do for church for you know, next week or something. I'm thinking about that. I'm singing all the words, but I'm thinking about next week, you know, I've got I to gotta go to the hospital, and I've got to do this. I think there's funerals going to be. And I'm thinking about this instead of, instead of standing there thinking about what it is I'm supposed to be thinking about. And I'm singing without worshiping. You know the uh, the Israelites when they were uh, they were in captivity a whole lot. I mean they messed up a lot of times and got themselves in captivity. One time they were in captivity, and this is where this verse comes from. And they were uh, in slavery, like they were enslaved to another nation. And and their master said, "Hey, sing us one of those songs." You know, get your lyre. That's like an old old-fashioned guitar. You know, he like, said, "Get your lyre out and y'all sing some, some sing some of those songs." You know, you know, and uh, they didn't have any songs to sing that they wanted to hear. You know, Chapter 137 of Psalms, verse 4 says, How can we sing the Lord's song on foreign soil? And so they said, well, how can we sing this? You want us to sing the happy songs? We can't sing happy songs. Come on, y'all ever seen movies of, of slavery or anything? You know, they're not singing, oh, I'm so happy, I'm a slave, you know, whatever, you know. There's, it's the blues, you know. If they're singing anything, it's like, you know, and nobody wants to hear that. Sing me those bluesy songs or whatever, unless you're going through a bad time. Then you might want to hear that, right? But you know, they were saying, no, we want to hear the exciting ones. And How do we sing that kind of stuff? They said, so, well, they singing sing anyway. We just like to hear it, you know. They weren't wanting to hear the songs because they invoked the presence of God and they, and they did something powerful within them. They just liked the songs. They said, sing us a song. We'd like to hear the songs. They just wanted to hear the songs. That's singing without worshiping. That's happening in churches all over our world today on Sunday. is people are singing without worshiping and singing the song. I like that. Can you sing that one again? Saying, let me tell you something about Twenty nine eleven. Okay, you you hear several things that we should say over and over and over. This isn't one I've said very many times, but I've said it a few times. I hadn't said it in a while, but. Our worship team doesn't take requests, okay? Don't email them in or anything. We don't take requests, okay? Uh, now, I, I haven't asked Jamie on purpose, uh, but have you gotten any requests lately before I say this and step on anybody? We don't take requests, okay? I, I don't even give requests. See, last week I, I had a, I had a thought of a good song for the close of the sermon, but a close of the message and everything. But I, but I, I told Jamie, I said, I think I'll even put this one out to pastor, you know, and it's not ridiculous. So I just, I think this one would be good, but you know, so, and she said, no, let's do that one. So I don't even make, request. Here's the thing. We don't do what we like because we don't want to worship the singing. We do what works. And in the same way that I said, I would love to hear people saying, pastor, you tore my, tore me up. You messed with my life today by sharing that word from God. I want you to do, I want the same thing. And that's what we try to do with the music. We want the music to, man, just reach in and just tear you up. Sometimes tear you up to make you reach to heaven. Sometimes tear you up and say, oh my goodness, who am I? Kind of like the, the sermon last week, Isaiah chapter 6, you know. Oh my goodness, who am I? Look at how awesome he is, but who am I? That's what we do is we do those kinds of songs. And, and let me tell you another thing that we say around here about worship a whole lot. Is we don't do guitar solos. Now I know if, if you're standing there and just kind of watching what's going up on stage, you sometimes think we've got a guitar solo. No, when the, when the screen goes blank... It goes blank because this isn't about the song. It's not about the words. The words are just kind of like, it's almost like a little hints to get you down the road a little bit. Think about it this way. This is, this is the way a song is, a worship song. It's like little hints to get you down the road a little bit to make you start thinking about God. And then all of a sudden the screen goes blank and you what do we say now? It's time for you to sing your solo. You know, right out of your own heart. And 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 this past couple of weeks, I mean, there's so many things that's going on right now that, you know, I've been watching God's hands and like the last two weeks, it's like God's fingers just over all these things. And I've seen God work for months now, but it's like everything's just coming together like a funnel. Everything's just coming together. And there's some specific things that just, it's, it's like every time I just get moved in the spirit, I... I just want to shout that out to God. Again, there's some specific things. I'm just on my heart right here. And so what the songs do, the songs are just like little hints to kind of get me in the neighborhood. So then I I open up. When when Jamie stops singing and the screen goes blank, I open up and I sing what is in my heart. And And so I encourage you, don't just sing. Worship God. And 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 we're gonna sing one more song and you know what there's gonna be a solo in it Not a guitar solo your solo when when that happens just and you don't have to say it out loud if you're embarrassed You know if you're a little shy just you know If you want to just keep him out But let your heart shout out to god and tell him and we're not here to sing We're here to worship and you know, you can't even worship singing You can even worship musicians. I like that musician He wasn't playing today So it's not gonna be as good a service as it normally is or I like that singer You know if they don't sing their song and you worship singing and you could even worship worship. Because, you know, when you get into worship, sometimes, man, it feels so good. Next Sunday, you say, I want to get back to that place. It felt so good to me. But listen, you are not the focus of worship. The moment you become the focus of worship, say, oh, I want to worship God because it feels so good. It's not worship anymore. Now you're worshiping worship. And it's not worship anymore because it's for you. You're doing it for you. So it's not worship anymore. Worship is always focused on him. And everything we do in worship has to be focused on him for it to be worship. Don't go through the motions of singing. Worship. Don't just get the ticket stuff. Get, 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 the, get the net. Uh, is there, is, do I have another one after this? Or is it, That's my last one, yes. L- uh, learning about God without pursuing him. You see, when you don't have an expectation that the word of God is going to challenge you, then you're just learning about him. You're just learning about Jesus. If you're not expecting the Word of God to just rip into who you are and just dig some stuff out and throw it away and fix some things and pour some good stuff in, then you're only learning about Him, and that's never enough. It is not enough to simply learn who he, Jesus Christ did not die on the cross, so you would know His name. He did not die on the cross, so for you to find out, you know, how tall He was or how. I mean, I've had people ask that kind of question. Do you think Jesus was tall? I don't know. Does it matter? You know, do you think Jesus was good looking? Because you remember what Isaiah said? Well, I think that's talking really about some other stuff. But does it really matter? I don't know. Does it really matter? Why why, why we? Jesus didn't die so we would know what his name was. He died so we would know him. You ever had somebody ask you, do you know so-and-so, and maybe if it's like a local celebrity or something, you know, and you really want to say, yeah, I know them, we're best buds, we go out to eat all the time, you know, but you have to just say, no, I, I know their name, and I, you know, I know some things about them, but you know, it's, it's like you know, if I broke down on the side of the road, and I was right by their house, I couldn't walk up on the porch and knock on the door, and they would just welcome me in, and call up every, you know, and take care of me. No, I don't know them in that way, but I do know them, I know who they are, And that's the way a lot of people are with God, even Christians. It's like, yeah, I know who he is, and I know know those songs that we sing about him, I know some scriptures about him, but I don't have that relationship. You know what? You don't need to just know who he is. You need to have that relationship. So when you break down in life, you can walk up on his porch, and you can knock on the door, and you say, Jesus, I'm in trouble. And he says, come on in, because he knows you, and you know him, because there's relationship. It's not enough to just learn who he is. You need... To have relationship with him. We have to go for the win. Winning is important. In spiritual terms, winning is important. And some people say winning is not everything. In spiritual terms, winning is everything. Because we're not talking about stuff. We're talking about serious things. So let's talk about getting the win. Last week I told you about getting the win. This This is like getting the win for God. That's what we're talking about last week. We're talking about going on the road, we're talking about, you know, playing on the road, getting out there. And that was, that was very much on purpose because I knew what I was sharing with you in a church conference last Sunday about, hey, we're, we're hitting the road. We're going to where, literally, where they play. We're going to where the community plays every single Sunday. It's awesome, you know, what God, God is leading. And leading us to, so, so we were talking about the win for God. And, and here's the win for God that you and I get for him. It is bringing one more person to know peace through Jesus Christ. It is helping one person get answers for their questions through Jesus Christ. Helping one person get forgiveness, find forgiveness in Jesus for yesterday or find hope for tomorrow you know, or find life forever. That's what the win is. The win, the win is uh, helping someone find uh, joy for their sorrow or healing for their pain you know, or, or purpose for their future, helping someone find strength for their battles, or whatever they need, etc., etc., etc. That's the win. That's the win for God. That's what God wants. And I, I know I preached this last week, but I got to say this again, please. This week, come on, make up your mind. I'm going to get a win for God this week. I'm going to help somebody find some of that what they need in God. That's what the win is. It's not. Getting them saved and getting them members of the church and getting them appointed and signed, you know, into some position. It is just helping somebody find what they need in Jesus Christ. Make up your mind to get the win for God this week. But God wants us to take another step in this. And I like this because I feel God has led me to ask you this question. So if God has led me to ask you this question, that means He's He's interested in the answer. And that ought to excite you that God wants to ask you a question today because he's interested in the answer. So here's the question. What is the win for you personally? What is the win for you? What's the win in your career? Not your job. Some of you are trying to get out of your jobs. You're trying to get into a career. Think about the difference. What is the win for you? And God says this is important. It's important to him. It's important. What is the win for you? Say it. Name it. Write it out on, on your heart right now. Just see the words, whatever it is. But what's the, what's, the, what's the win? What's the win for your family? What is the win for your marriage? Have you ever thought about what, what, what's the win going to look like when, when, when this thing is all over, my marriage or my family? My kids, what's the win for your kids? If you're, if you're still raising kids at home, or if you're not, I mean, you know, we're finding out your kids never really leave, literally sometimes, but I mean, they, they never really leave, Right. What are you what are your kids? What is the win for your kids? You know, and if you're a grandparent, I mean it just continues, doesn't it? I mean, I got a five-year-old granddaughter. It just continues, doesn't it? On and on and on. I got three grandkids now. So it's not no longer, it's, just, it's not like I've got the win for my kids. I'm just adding the grandkids. What's the win? Say it because here's the problem. If you do not know what the win is, you don't know how to go after it. If you don't, if you've not yet named the win. For your, your, your life, you know, what this, what this game, the, the win is going to be. If you've not yet done that, you don't even know what it is. You have no focus whatsoever on the win because you don't know how to focus. Where's the win? So if you're going to get the win, you got, you've got to name it so you can focus on it. And if you, don't, if you haven't yet named it, you ain't even got a plan. You can't create a plan for getting there. When you don't have a win, name it today. And then you and God start making a plan to make this thing happen. Uh, real, real quick, let me run through some of these things real quick and we'll be finished. The win. Uh, uh, like when, when we start really thinking about what the win is. What's the win for your marriage? What's the win for your kids? Losing is no longer an option. These are my kids. Losing is not an option. And, and, and listen, I, I, I've seen a lot of ladies like this. Where they, they, they're raising their kids and they said, These kids, it is not an op- they are going to know Jesus Christ. When they are grown, they are going to be in heaven. When I'm dead and I'm in heaven, they are going to be with me. Losing is not an option because these are my kids. This is not some idea. This is not some theology. This is not some practice. This is not a political party. Losing is not an option because these are my kids. And you watch those kids. You you find a mom that's got that kind of attitude. You watch those kids in 10 years. You see where they are. You watch where they are you know losing is not an option. they might not like me some days It don't matter losing is not an option It's more important that that I that we don't lose this than is that they like me losing is not the option It is never not or like winners in life don't always win. They just don't give up I've not always won raising my kids sometimes. I've missed shots Sometimes I've made fouls Technical fouls almost got ejected sometimes. I thought you know from when I was raising my kids made some big mistakes but you never, ever give up. I'm still on the court today. I'm still taking the floor every morning because my kids are still alive. Every morning, I'm still you know, not raising my kids anymore, but today the game's changed a little bit. We're in the, you know, Maybe we're in the third or fourth quarter as far as like raising the kids kind of a thing, and the game has changed a whole lot. But when I make mistakes, I don't slow down. Winner's it, winners, it, it's, it's, they, they don't just always win. It's that they never, ever give up. Are you listening? That's the message today. Don't give up. Hang in there. From the very first sermon, whatever brought you here is what's going to get, whatever you've learned about God that's got you to this point, don't let go of that. Hang on to it and keep fighting it. and keep, Just keep do, doing it with more consistency and dedication and passion. Whatever it is that's got you to here, just keep doing it and keep working and keep, keep fighting for it because that's what's going to get you there. Whatever it takes. And, and some people sometimes, when, when, when you say whatever it takes, they think, okay, yeah, if I, if I have to work four jobs, to, yeah, whatever it takes. You know, we need to stop thinking so much about our own abilities and start thinking about somebody else's abilities. Jesus Christ. He, he's already done whatever it took. He went all the way to the cross of Calvary for you. He's already wearing the net. The, the, the win. He's already won for you. He's already won. He's already done it. And, so, and, and if you're still working so hard, you come in here and you hear the pastor and, and you're trying, trying to work through that and you go to a small group and you hear what they're saying and you're trying to, trying to do all these things and, and you had not really let God be on your team. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but you had not really let him play and, and really be on your team. Man, you're missing. The greatest, I talked last week about home court advantage, but the greatest advantage you can have in your life it's to have Jesus on your team, not as someone who just talks from the sidelines. Get him on the court. Get him on the floor. Make him part of the game. It's the greatest advantage you can have in your life, and leave it all on the floor. When this thing is over, whatever, whichever game it is you're talking about right now, if you're really struggling raising your kids, if you're really struggling financially, whatever it is, in your marriage, or even the big one, your whole life, when it's all over, be able to say, I left it all on the floor. I didn't pick any of it up to take off with me. I left every bit of it on the floor. Raising my kids, I laid it all on the floor. My stuff didn't matter anymore. My feelings, my hopes, my dreams didn't matter. Raising my kids, I left it all on the floor. Because this is not about those things. This is about kids, this is about our families, this is about our friends, this is about our coworkers. This is about eternity and winning is everything. Let's cut down the net. Stand with me, if you will. And would you come to the front and join us? If you're a first-time attender, we'd like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. And if you're comfortable, we'd invite you to join us. Paul, that guy I was talking about earlier, who said, man, y'all debating and all that too much and all that kind of thing. He, he wrote about his final moments on the court. He wrote about cutting down the net in his own life in uh, Timothy Second Timothy chapter four, verse six through eight. It says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. He says, My life is being poured out. He says, like it's almost over. The time of my departure is near. My life's almost over. I have fought the good fight. He, he's referencing that I fought the good fight. I have finished the race that was laid out before me. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge. i got, I got something to go for. The Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all, those, all who have longed for his appearing. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. You can miss the first ten shots of a game. But the goal is to still be the last one standing. You can blow it a bunch of times through the game, but the goal is to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep running. If you blow it, you fall down, get back up, keep running. The goal, 60-something teams have been playing for the last two weekends. Next weekend, four more, going. those four last ones are gonna gather, and the goal is to be the last one standing. And the last one standing cuts down the net. and says it's over, I'm the last one. That's your goal. When this fight is over, be able to say like Paul, I left it all on the floor. I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I finished my course. And I've won the prize. What's the prize? What's the win? Go for it. Go for it. Bow with me if you will, Jamie.